I'm Chance Dorland, and this is the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. And I'm joined now by San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald. And Jeff, the Spurs won a rodeo road trip game. I know it's the morning, but you must be drinking champagne right now, right? Oh yeah, you know, you know, Pop has probably done that too. Just pop the uh, champagne corks because they beat Memphis 108-107. Um, Such a pop move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's just over the moon with that win. But, um, you know, it was, it's a win, right? And I guess if, after you've, you've lost four games in a row, like the Spurs did to start the rodeo road trip, I guess you can say a win's a win. But it wasn't a very satisfying win. You're playing against a Memphis team um, that already had the second worst record in the Western Conference. They're kind of have already punted the season. They traded all-star center Mark Gasol last week to Toronto. Um, they were playing without their other star in point guard Mike Conley. And the Spurs kind of had to sneak one out of there last night. Um, I mean, it took like Memphis missing free throws down the stretch and all kinds of stuff. So it did stop the losing streak. Like, it was sort of a game they had to win going into the All-Star break. Like you can't lose, to, you know, they lose those first four games of the rodeo trip. And it's like, yeah, well, they're playing four teams that are probably going to be in the playoffs on the road. They didn't play well, but you can sort of see losing those games. Playing Memphis and that uh, a Memphis team in that condition, um, you can't lose that game going to the rodeo trip. So they sort of avoided abject disaster by winning that game and, and kind of stopping the bleeding a little bit. And and um, you know it would have been really as as unsatisfying as that win is or was. It would have been even worse to have to sit there for nine days in the All Star break and think about a five game losing streak to start the rodeo road, uh, rodeo road trip. So they at least did themselves that favor uh, on Tuesday night. And so, yeah, it's a win, uh, not a fun win, but a good win. One that happened, you know, you take them, you take what you can get. But even that being the case, the 0-4 start, this was the worst rodeo road trip ever, which I think was was like 17 years, something like that. Yeah, this is the 17th year of the rodeo road trip. They've only had uh, two losing records on it so far and uh like right now i think they'd have to run the table just to finish 500 and i don't think even the spurs believe they're going to run the table over the final uh three games of this thing so uh you're probably looking at another losing record on the rodeo road trip which used to be a thing that never happened like for the first 15 years it didn't happen so now it's it's been three in the last four or five years so uh sort of a a change there for the spurs as they as they make their mid-february road trip now, I guess uh, perhaps in defense of the Spurs, they're not at full strength. Uh, this latest downturn coincides with the loss of Derek White to a foot injury. And Popovich has called uh, White the Spurs' second most important player. This guy's really played well. How did a second-year guard, former number 29 draft pick, get to, to be where he is now? And when do you think the Spurs can expect to have him back? Obviously, they want him back now. Yeah, like, like I wish they could have had him back yesterday. But, um, yeah, it's crazy that he, he's kind of an unheralded guy. He's not an all-star. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that um, you know, wasn't a lottery pick, uh, really played one year of Division One college ball at Colorado. Before that, he played Division II ball. Um, so not a lot of resume to him, but he's, he's quickly become, as Pop said, maybe the Spurs' second most important player because of what he does at both ends of the court. He's their point guard on offense. 
Um, and he uh, offense just is more. Uh, what's the opposite of discombobulated? Combobulated. It's more combobulated when he's running the show on on uh, offense. So when he's gone, just things get out of whack. You can't run the same things the same way. It's a readjustment. And the Spurs, what they have, they have not been very good at readjusting this year when injuries have struck. And then on defense, um, Derek White might be your your most important defensive player because he can guard point guards. He can guard um, shooting guards, he can guard small forwards. And this is a team that's not very good on defense as it is. Um, and when you take away the guy that's the linchpin to whatever modicum of success they can have on defense, um, they've basically become just like a turnstile to the basket. So, uh, you know, somehow this guy has been the key to their fortunes. They won five in a row. As soon as he's out of the lineup, they lose four in a row and barely beat Memphis on the road. And they really need to get him back as soon as possible. And there's uh, maybe a little bit of concern if you're a Spurs fan because he started the year with with foot problems. It was the other foot. This is the right foot. He started the year with with uh, soreness in his left foot. Um, but talking to the, the Spurs and and Pop and and people around the team, they they expect there's a pretty good chance. You know, he hadn't he hadn't played in a week and a half, and then you get nine days of the All Star break. There's a pretty good chance that when they return on February 22nd in Toronto. Um, that Derek White might be able to return to the lineup. Then you're talking about, well, is he rusty? Do you have to wait for him to kind of get his rhythm back, his conditioning back? Like how, how long does it take him to get to the point where he was before he hit the injured list? But they, they can't really make a playoff push without him, I'm starting to think, which is, which is maybe nothing, not something I would have said at the start of the season. I don't think we realized how important this guy was going to be um, when the season began, but he's, you know, Pop says LaMarcus Aldridge is their most important player. They have a guy in DeMar DeRozan who's made a bunch of all-star teams, but Derek White is the guy that that they've kind of labeled as the, the guy they depend on the second most. And to be without him has been very detrimental, as you, as we've all seen. So to go from the younger end of things with Derek White, we go to, you know, the more experienced side of things, and that's, of course, the future Hall of Famer on the bench, Paul Gasol. Um, he didn't play in Memphis. In fact, he hasn't played a lot lately. I remember back when, um, some previous episode of the Spurs Insider, I was talking with, uh, Tom Orsborne and I was like, wow, Pau Gasol is, is he going to want out? Is he want to get, get traded? And, and I think Tom said, no, no, I don't know about that. But, uh, reportedly Gasol asked for a trade just before the trade deadline. What do you think his future is with San Antonio? Yeah, he seems to be a player that's not really in there plans as far as minutes and rotation goes right now and that can change uh sort of injury and um it's sort of an ex you know he makes 16 million dollars which you know is sort of middle of the road in today's nba but it's still a lot of money for a guy that's not going to play at all um there aren't a lot of options right now since the trade deadline passed you could probably if if pal had uh, another opportunity somewhere uh, where he might get more playing time that he might be interested in. Uh, the Spurs would certainly probably discuss a buyout, a contract buyout with him and let him go sign with that, that team. I don't I don't think that is in the works right now. Um, but, you know, clearly this is a guy that 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 uh, just isn't in the plans right now. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, he's gotten older. He's 38. Um, so his skills and 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 uh, just body aren't what they were when he was 28, when he was one of the best big men in the, in the, in the world. Uh, but also combined with that, 
the game has gone a direction that has uh, sort of made his position obsolete. There just isn't a lot of room in today's NBA for for a traditional uh, big man that's not super mobile. Like, and it doesn't matter if they're 38 or 28 or 18. Like, the, the big guys in today's NBA, the way the game is played, they have to be able to move a little bit on the perimeter. You have to at least be uh, kind of plausible defender in the pick and roll, a plausible defender when you get um, switched onto smaller players on the perimeter. And like LaMarcus Aldridge can do that. LaMarcus Aldridge for so long was a power forward in the NBA. Uh, as the, the way the game has gone, where you're really just going to play one big man at a time, LaMarcus Aldridge is a center. Um, Pal Gasol, kind of there is no position for him anymore. I mean, he's still got some of the same skills. He's still one of the best passing big men there are in the league. He's, he's still got that, um, you know, he's, he's got some offensive skills. He's just, it's just not his game anymore. And so it's hard to find a place for him, hard to find minutes. And he's a, you know, he's a proud guy. He's a hall of famer. You know, the Spurs have had hall of famers come off the bench before like Manu Ginobili, but there was a purpose to that. And Manu Ginobili actually played and was a big part of uh, what the Spurs did, even, even at age 40 last year. You know, it's it's got to be hard for a guy that that has been, you know, a multiple time all star this in this league has won titles, has been the second best player on championship teams in Los Angeles, is going to the Naismith Hall of Fame someday to basically just sit and watch game after game after game. And and, you know, you just kind of you, you feel for him on the personal level. Um, but the, there really doesn't seem to be like a future where he's playing big minutes for this team anymore. And and. Um, there's not a, you know, I think fans just kind of want to cut bait with him, but there's not a lot of money left on that contract. I mean, people, when he signed the $48 million deal a few summers ago, it looked like a big number. Well, you know, most of that's been paid out by now. He's got six and a half million guaranteed next year. I mean, he, I mean, he makes 16 next year, but only six and a half is guaranteed. So, you know, you could just waive him and save $10 million, which might be something that happens. Um, so it's it's getting to the point where the Gasol question isn't really that much of a question anymore because his contract has shrunk so much it's already been paid out. So uh, I don't know that he has much of a future uh, on the court with the Spurs, and it will remain to be seen uh, You know, if he remains on the roster through the end of next season. But you've got the summer to trade him. He could be bought out. You could just wave him and stretch what's left of the salary. There's a lot of ways to get him off the roster and off your payroll if that's what you want to do. So while all that's going on and playing out, as you just uh, mentioned, several different options there, Spurs still battling for a playoff spot, heading uh, into the break. They got a big break, seventh in the West now. Their schedule coming out, though, is one of the softest in the league. They have the NBA's longest string of postseason berths. It looked like last year that might not um, continue, but it did. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, but now that means they have to worry about you know ruining that record this year. So, uh, do you think the schedule is going to help them out? What are your thoughts on? Uh, gosh, how long has that record been going now, Jeff? Uh, I, th- I think it's 20, 20 straight, twenty one straight. Basically, said the last time they didn't make the playoffs was nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. So however many, <laughs> if you want to add that up in your head really fast, um, that's how many seasons they've made the playoffs in a row. And it's by far the longest active streak in the league. And and to keep it alive, you're kind of looking at the standings today. I, it looks like there's probably, depends on how you want to look at it, there's either four teams competing for two spots, 
or five teams competing for three spots. Uh, you know, you got Utah and the Spurs are kind of in a dead heat for six and seven. You got Sacramento kind of also in that dead heat at at uh, eight, and then the Los Angeles Clippers are right behind the Kings, just a game a game behind the Kings in the loss column uh, for ninth, and then you got the Lakers uh, a couple games behind that. And I think those are the kind of the teams that will be jockeying for position um, down the sh- down the stretch here. And once the Spurs come back um, uh, from the break, they have the 26th most difficult schedule in the league, which another way of saying that is they have the fourth easiest remaining schedule in the league. Um, the Jazz are right there too, like I think at 25, and the Kings are, are like at 20. So those three teams that are 6, 7, 8 right now also have sort of schedules that are among the the, the bottom third instead in terms of difficulty. Um, so I think that will help them out. I mean, I think it looks dire on the rodeo trip. They go and they just get bombed out of their first four games, barely win in Memphis. Um, they come back and play a Toronto team that's, that has designs on going to the finals in the East um, after they get back from the rodeo trip. Okay, so they come back from the All-Star break. They play, they're at Toronto, at New York, at Brooklyn, and then the rodeo trip is over. After that, they've got 20 games. Um, the majority are at home. They have 12 of those games at home. And uh, 11 of those 20 games that they have left are against teams that are uh, have losing records right now. So the schedule will, will open up a little bit for them. They've got uh, two games left against Cleveland, who's just dreadful. They've got two games left against Atlanta, that's, that's, that's bad. Um, they've got two games left against Dallas, who can be a dangerous team, but they're also uh, a team that, that doesn't uh, – how to phrase this – doesn't benefit from winning games. You, you start to get – at this point of the year – kind of the wheat starts to separate from the chaff a little bit. And you've got the teams that are playing for the playoffs and the teams that, you know, they're going to run out their young guys. They're going to, they're going to experiment with some things. They're going to hold out their veterans uh, in part to get those young guys experience, but also in part to, to um, you know, it doesn't behoove them to, doesn't, they're not going to try to lose games. The players that play aren't going to try to lose games, but it doesn't behoove them to win them because you increase your draft odds with each game that you lose. So. Spurs play a lot of those kind of teams when they come back from the break, and I think it has to help them. That said, um, they played one of those teams right before the break, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and it, it almost ended up being uh, a really, really bad loss. So I don't think you can necessarily take it for granted um, that the schedule's going to soften and you're going to roll into the playoffs, but it's certainly better than coming back and having to play like the Warriors four times, the Nuggets four times, the Thunder a bunch, and um, – you know, that sort of thing. I, I think just benefit of having some teams you can maybe cushion that record on um, should help them out a little bit. I still think um, if you look at the various places that have the playoff odds, the Spurs are still sitting pretty good as far as getting into the field. What, what happens once they get there, you know, remains to be seen. But but I, unless they start losing a bunch of these games to really uh, bad teams, I'm not really worried about them missing the playoffs. All right. Well, that sounds like a prediction, Jeff. So uh, we'll see how that turns uh, turns out here as uh, the days tick away. We, we've spoken a lot about the players, obviously. That's often the focus of uh, each episode of the Spurs Insider, no matter what's going on. But here, a little bit of a break. You already mentioned Naismith earlier when talking about Pal Gasol. Well, Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond has been nominated for introduction into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame primarily for her work as a star in the WNBA. The finalists will be announced during all-star festivities this weekend in Charlotte. 
What do you think her chances are of gaining induction either now or further down the road? Yeah, that'll be an interesting question to kind of or, or issue to kind of monitor because people, you know, some people tend to forget that the Hall of Fame isn't just uh, it's not just an NBA Hall of Fame. Um, you know, it's it's really about basketball as a whole, uh, both, uh, you know, there's college, college internationally um and and the women's game as well it's about um really the purpose of the hall of fame is to tell the story of basketball and uh, at some point i'm not sure you can tell the full story of basketball without including becky hammond because she's uh, a a pioneer in in the game i mean you, obviously this is what she did in the wnba just just a uh, basically a perennial all-star there um and also just becoming the the league's first full-time female assistant coach with the Spurs. Um, you know, I think that's, that's opened the door to others uh, to get uh, other women to get their foot into the NBA. Also just been sort of an inspirational uh, type of thing to, to women everywhere. I mean, if you talk about, you know, if you talk to parents that have little girls, they, Becky Hammond is someone they, they can look up to and, and say like they're, they're, those barriers that once existed um, maybe aren't there anymore. So I don't, I don't know if you can predict if she's going to go in or not go in, but I, I think, it's really hard, like I said earlier, it's really hard to um, talk about the story, the history of basketball without including Becky Hammond because she's she's a historical figure in the game. And, you know, a lot of people think of it as just an NBA sort of thing. Like it, this came up a little bit with Monta Ginobili's retirement last year. Like they're just some people, not Spurs fans, but um, kind of the uninitiated around the country would look at Manu Ginobili. Well, what do you mean he's a Hall of Famer? He averaged 16 points a game for his career. Um, didn't didn't even start for his team most of the time. But if you think of the Hall of Fame as a, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame for the entire game of basketball, if you factor in what Manu did overseas, winning titles in Italy and uh, winning, winning gold for Team Argentina at the Olympics and then coming to the, to the NBA and winning five titles, when you put his whole resume together, it's like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can't talk about basketball without talking about Manu Ginobili. And I think, in a sense, Becky Hammond's the same way. And I, I, I think, if not right now, I think she's got a good shot at some point of uh, finding her way in there. Excellent. Well said there, Jeff. We're going to wrap things up now. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Obviously, there's a, there's a bit of a break here before the rodeo road trip resumes. And uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. What do you think's coming up? Oh, I just think everybody's looking forward to the break, like like players, writers, coaches. I think we're all looking <laughs> forward to sort of, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, the, this is a break for you as well. That's a good point. Yeah, a little bit. Like you don't you don't have to. You can turn off the brain a little bit. You can you can take the pressure down a little bit, and then you know you come back and it's just like a mad charge towards towards the playoffs, or uh, you know, God forbid, the draft lottery. And thank you to San Antonio Express News sports writer Jeff McDonald for joining me for today's episode of the Spurs Insider, our weekly NBA podcast from ExpressNews.com. For the San Antonio Express News, I'm Chance Dorland.